Welcome to the Theory of DFS podcast. I'm Jordan Cooper, the co-author of the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass you can pick up at theoryofdfs.com. Join with me on uh, on this guest edition of the show is uh, is the second the second other Jordan to to appear on the show. JM to win. People know him as JM, but his real first name is Jordan. Also, I got Jordan Chand here who is the host of DFS Office Hours on SaberSim. So you, I, I view you as doing a, you're the SaberSim version of, of of my show, of kind of like the 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 review, help, how-to-ish type of show, uh, typically later in the afternoon. What, you do it at 4 or 5 o'clock? It's 5 o'clock Eastern now, yeah. Yeah, very similar to what you're doing. I, I watch your show pretty often. Um, questions, Q&A, you know, uh, try to stick a little bit more to, you know, uh, broader general advice than slate-specific advice. But, yeah, very very similar overall feel there. Right, and you do that Monday through Friday, right? Yeah, and Office we, uh, we have and a there's new— a pod, There's a podcast feed. I I typically do not watch, but I do listen to the— to the podcast, not ev- I can't say every episode or anything like that. Typically, I like the way that you put the topics in, and I go like, mm-hmm. like okay, yeah, I want to hear whatever X, Y, and Z, and maybe I look through. And then also, uh, although you're not on like every episode, uh, you guys came out with Behind the Sims, which is more That's of a correct. regular podcast series of your guys's conversations on like upgrading Saber Sim and what you're trying exactly. to solve for, right? So yep, like. Our- like, no, I, I just yeah, I just wanted to highlight uh, both both podcast and the show because uh, in in our conversation I I actually had a conversation uh, yesterday with Matt Hunter mm-hmm. and just stressing that even from a business marketing standpoint, uh, while I would say ninety five percent of the people that play DFS out there are typically very focused on well what am I going to do today. What, mm-hmm. Who do I play today? What what do I build today? That uh, education in general on the macro strategy is important not only to help them get better as DFS players, but also if if you if you have a product like SaberSim or even Roto Grinders because we have mm-hmm. tools as well, like educating on why these tools are important. And why they would be useful to you, regardless of today's slate, is like of like utmost importance. Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't have a process that is at least somewhat repeatable on a day-to-day basis, you don't really have a process at all. I mean, you're just clicking names at that point. So that's what we try to focus on. Um, we do. We we also brought on another coach this week. Um, so if you uh, tune into office hours going forward, you're likely to see Andrew on there as well, um, who's who's recently joined our team. Right. The, the the main difference between my show and your show is that you're, you're you guys are way nicer. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just saying I I don't I I consider myself I'm I'm when I used to tutor kids in math, but I tutored like mm-hmm. the gifted kids in math, like the the kids that's like they're gonna be learn they they want to learn the grade above them because they already get the concepts and now I'm teaching them something more advanced. So I typically come from the perspective of 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 like. If you're at this level, like mm-hmm. I could really help you. But if you're at below this level, like that's why that's why the course exists. That's why, like, instead of instead of me having to go through two plus two equals four, let's get on to algebra and geometry instead. Yeah. 
Well, and I'm sure you've experienced this too doing your streams. I, I think one of the hardest parts about it is when you've got just a one sentence question written from somebody interpreting that live and also trying to get an idea on what that person's overall skill level in DFS is to give them the right kind of answer is is really challenging. That's actually something I've struggled with before. Someone will ask a question and I'll make an assumption that they're brand new or playing their first season and they respond like, hey, thanks for the answer, but I've been playing for five years and I'm really just specifically interested in how this works on SaberSim or something like that, or vice versa. Someone will write a question, I'll think, oh, this person's definitely pretty sharp here and, and give them kind of a long-winded answer and they're like, hey, great, but like, what what, what do you mean by stack or, or something like that? So um, it's it's an interesting challenge there uh, on the, the live streams, interpreting that stuff live on stream, giving people helpful answers, so. Right, and I, th- and I think also our approach is a little bit different. And of, co- of course, uh, our goal, I don't want to say goals. I think we, mm-hmm. I think we both, I have a passion for teaching people the right way. Like I, right. I've, like I will, I, everything I say, I, I pride myself, even if, if, even if you don't agree with my methodologies, even if you don't agree with, uh, the approach that I take, uh, to teaching, is that like my my intention is 100% transparent and pure of like I'm not going to purposely give you the wrong answer and even if the correct answer is very vague and mm-hmm. unanswerable I'd rather say it's unanswerable and have you be frustrated that there's no correct answer than yeah. me give you an answer that to oh 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 so always five man stack on DraftKings on on, on and baseball yes okay always do that I'm like no you don't always you don't always do that. It's like, well, one don't right. I? Well, it's, it depends on a hundred different variables and it depends on this exact specific lineup and the specific contest that you play. It's like, but to me, that is highlighting, like it's stressing the fact. I use that to stress the fact that if you're ever thinking of DFS in very hard, rigid rules, you're mm-hmm. probably, you're, you're, overall, you're just going to compound that mistake over and over again on everything else that you do. And it's better to start from a framework that there is no 100% correct answer. So I'm just trying to find, you know, as the play, as the user, trying to find the methodologies that what's the path to get there. And the there may be 300 different paths, but as long as I'm thinking in the mindset that, well, on this slate, because it's a small MLB slate and the totals are low, Maybe there's no five-man stack that goes off. And then maybe so many more of my opponents are playing five-man stacks mm-hmm. that these, like, four, two, one, one lineups are going underrepresented in the contest. So let me take a look at some of these four, two, one, ones and see mm-hmm. if I could find a good projection and ownership there. And then maybe, 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 a, maybe I could play a double pitcher on this, d- double stud pitcher on this slate because other people aren't. And then once you get once you start thinking like that, you start to approach slates like as its own entity of like every slate is different, everything has their own contextual variables. And I think that's that's the biggest challenge, for instance, on your show, that you're I don't want I don't want to say that you focus too much on settings, mm-hmm. but I try to make it on the on the DFS pregame show that there are no magic settings. There are no correct settings. There's no stop focusing on the settings. Like just stop. Fo- right. How many unique plays? Stop. Fo- stop focusing on. Start understanding the macro strategies, and then go based right. on the lineups that you you think are plus EV. 
what how how would I get this tool? This this like this it's like building a bookcase with a drill. Like, okay, what drill bit do you need now? Instead of going, I don't know what I need to build, what drill bit do I use? Like from that approach, and I think to me, you would I think you would agree with that, but it's it's mm-hmm. it's very hard to as as an educator right. stress that point a lot, especially when they're dealing with a tool that may have 50 settings and they may not even understand what they even do. And that's the, that's the thing, right? Is, I mean, it's what I try to do most of the time is instead of telling people what the right setting is to use, I try to have them analyze and evaluate in their process, what they're getting out of that, right? If, if they're setting a a stacking rule and they want to know what that rule is, the purpose of that is to increase the correlation of lineups, but that requires a certain, baseline foundational understanding of what correlation is and why it's valuable and how valuable it is changes in different sports and slate types and contests. And I mean, you've got a hour long chapter dedicated to correlation in your, your course to answer that question. And that, and, and, that's, in the, and that's just a basic answer. Exactly. Right. And when you're in the, the, uh, the format of a live stream with somebody that's basically just there for a few minutes to get a quick answer. It becomes really hard to, you know, it's easy to cut corners in that content and say, well, you know what, you're probably, you're going to get 80% of the value doing this. So this is what you should do today. Uh, but it's, it's a challenge. And then I think you over time can end up in a situation where you're teaching people settings instead of teaching concepts just to, to give quicker answers. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting, I think a very unique content DFS problem uh, of how to approach that correctly. Right. Well, that's why. Well, that's why I try not to focus on the settings. I try to focus right. on the the approaching approaching a lineup builder in two ways. I, I I've I've been starting and and every every the courses that I that I come out with like the theory of daily fantasy sports the fundamentals masterclass fifteen hours that's the mm-hmm. first one that came out two years ago that still applies now but mm-hmm. I built that. I outlined and and planned out that entire course based on someone that has been dabbling in DFS casually, right? And mm-hmm. then wants to, now wants to get more serious about it. Not necessarily be like, oh, I want to be profitable and be a professional or anything like that. Just like, do you want to understand the, the fundamentals of the game of DFS? Here it is. Right. Like, like, especially like expected value as a concept. Not as a formula, not as a, like I wanted to veer away from here are a bunch of formulas for you to plug in numbers because people's heads just go like you don't have to think that precisely. You just have to think mm-hmm. directionally correct enough. So like if people don't even understand thinking in terms of probability and expected value, like they can't really get past anything else. Like you have to get that it's not about the, about the most probable, it's about the most profitable over right. the lo- and then over the long run, not just like, well, I play I played MLB for a week and I lost every slate in GPP. And I'm like, dude, eighty percent of the time you're gonna lose anyway. Everyone loses eighty percent of the time because they only pay twenty percent of the spots. I mean, like, like it, yeah, it, fundamentally that's what it's going to be. <laughs> so like that first course is based on that teaching that, and then the mm-hmm. second course is based on okay, you've been playing for two or three years. You may have been using tools like Saber Sim. Or Roto Grinders lineup HQ. You may you understand what projections are, that they're distributions of outcomes. You kind of understand kind of the basics, but maybe you're not applying them the best way. Maybe you need a, a more efficient process. Maybe you've been spending two hours doing X and you realize that you could do that in only 10 minutes because you could weed this 
all these things out because they're not important. What should you be focused on? What are the variables? That's what the second course is for. Mm-hmm. But in general, uh, folk getting away from the tools. So I've been, I've all these courses are based around me doing the show long mm-hmm. enough for me to experience enough questions and enough and interact with enough people to it's kind of kind of like doing like testing out your material as a stand-up comic is like i'm i'm trying to explain this and like okay and then the next time it gets asked i revise that a little and then once i start seeing people understand something i'm like okay i'm i'm on to the right way of explaining this and mm-hmm. then a year later i'm like well now why don't i just package this instead of having to go through all these shows let me just package this up with what i've come up with as the best way to explain it. And basically I did that twice. So like for these tools based questions, I've started to think more in terms of one or two ways. I even did it on today's show of think of the tool either as a way to, uh, build lineups that you want. So basically you've, you've, by the time you even open up SaberSim or lineup HQ, Mm -hmm. you're like, I'm playing three lineups. I'm playing 10 lineups. I'm playing 20 lineups. And I could visualize what they look like. Like everyone's going to do this, so I'm going to pay up there. Everyone, people are going to do this. I want to stack two receivers with. Okay, I like you have all of that right. in your mind already. You know you're going to play uh, a bunch of Jalen Hurts stacks. You already know, kind of like kind of. But maybe you may not know what defense exactly fits there. You may not know what one-off wide receiver fits there. But you just kind of have a basics. And then you're like, okay, how do I get the builder? to build the lineups that I want. Like kind of like I visualize it in my head. So whatever it needs to take, if I have to put in this number, if I have a change of projection, if I like, there's no correct setting. It's just, how do I get to these 20 lineups that I want? Mm-hmm. Or you think the opposite way of how do I build hundreds upon hundreds or thousands upon thousands of lineups that all could be plus EV, right? Cause mm-hmm. they're all stacked. They're all this, they're all this. They all have a certain projection range. They all have a certain ownership range. And now that I have 3000 lineups, how do I eliminate the, and get the 20 that out of these that I want to play and have a, div- and, and get the risk profile in my portfolio that I'm comfortable with? Like, maybe I don't mind having hundred percent of one guy in my lineup. Maybe I do like, but now you've at least eliminated it down. And I think that like Saber Sim for instance, I think is more geared towards the second one and the, and the, uh, and most optimizers around the industry are geared towards the first one. Yes, I completely agree. And in fact, I mean, we've even made somewhat of a, a a workflow based around that. I talk all the time on, on my streams about test builds, which is, you know, going to SaberSim, building lineups on our default settings, which account for things like correlation and ownership and ranges of outcomes at a, at least a, at a baseline level and see what you're getting on the other side of that. Because on SaberSim, that actually means something. There is information conveyed in the test build. Well, when you say whereas- means something, let me just highlight only because remember, I'm an independent contractor that works for another company that is technically a competitor to yours. But I always mm-hmm. say I'm an independent contractor on this show. And on pretty much all shows, I'm still, I'm, I'm advocating whenever I teach for whatever helps the user. So even mm-hmm. on the Grinder shows, I do say that I get projections from other places and aggregate. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm going to do the look same thing places. on mine. Right. Yeah. But I, I don't necessarily have to say where, because I understand I'm on a Grinder show. I'm not going to promote other sites, but on this, I'm free to do whatever the fuck I want. But yeah. uh, you're saying that when it means something, meaning that you're not simply solving a knapsack problem exactly. for a mean projection sum. 
which is what optimizers are around. The, essentially, all you're doing is putting in restraints, and then the optimizer is saying, okay, how do I get the highest mean projection lineup based on these restraints? Here's the first one. Now, based on that first one and based on the, the restraints, how do I come up with the second one? Oh, unique players three. I need right. to find the one that's higher that has three different players in it. Okay. Then the third one is what's the highest mean projection sum? Like it's constantly like that. While Saber mm -hmm. Sim is not necessarily weighted towards like it's, it's looking more towards the lineup level rather the lineup level of every, of all the variables rather than just simply solving, solving a knapsack problem. Right. Yes, that's correct. And I think so. I mean, for somebody, you could approach a sport that you've never played before or, or are somewhat new to and you're not otherwise opinionated about what you want your lineups to look like. Build lineups using SaberSim and and become opinionated and at least have a stance, a, a GPP-ready stance that at least is that has a strong foundation uh, because because of it's including those things like correlation and, and ownership, at least at a baseline level. But this, But this assumes, however that your simulations and ownership are are the yes. most accurate. Yes, it does, right? I mean, and that, that's it's an important part of the process then. I mean, it, the output's only going to be as useful or as accurate as the, the inputs. Uh, so I think... You know, one thing I talk about a lot on, on the Office Hours show is that you there's a spectrum of impact and also risk you can get whether you're adjusting inputs or outputs with SaberSim, where if you're adjusting outputs, you're you're ultimately assuming that the inputs are true and selecting differently based on your then biases or opinions or whatever you want to call them. That's a safer, safer way of doing it. But your impact is lower on the process as well. When you make adjustments to the the inputs to the system, you are taking a greater risk. You're saying, I, I for whatever reason, I mean, whether you're using an aggregated projection or you're just taking a stand, if you're adjusting the inputs, you're taking a greater risk, but you also have a greater impact on the output there as well. So it's it's an interesting challenge, but interesting balance of deciding how, where to How where does SaberSim do handle the different inputs? So like, for instance, one... The, the way that I, since I, I'm a heavily exploitative style player, mm -hmm. I, I, my, my opinions, if you want to use the term opinions yeah. on, uh, ownership are much more biased than that of player projection. I'm much more willing to trust player projection inputs. So like mm -hmm. if I'm using the Cardi's blitz, I'm be, and and, or if I'm aggregating, if I'm, I'm aggregating six different projection sets in some weight, if I like, mm -hmm. oh, I, I, I like NBA, we have like minutes projections. It's like, uh, I, right. I, I trust the Roto Grinders team to do all those projections. They know basketball. You put, you put them in. I'm perfectly mm -hmm. fine that, that number there. But I also concede the fact that like uh, guys like Dink and, and Mike Gallagher at ETR are mm -hmm. also very good at that as well. So it's like, I don't mind taking their projections either. A lot of times they're, they're close. Right. But there, on some occasions, there's some weird rotation. Some guy is out and it's like, well, if this guy starts, is he going to just play six minutes and then come out? Or is he actually going to get starters minutes? And there may be a difference of opinion between projections teams. And one may have the median minutes at like 28 and one may have 24. Mm -hmm. I could always just take the aggregate and just do 26. Right. I could do something like that. But 
that's all based on on player projections. Like I'm perfectly willing to just give over the reins and go, dude. A model and 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 experts putting in inputs are going to be much better than me. I'm not going to. Yeah, I, agree. I I'm not going to bother doing that. But the ownership, on the other hand, that's yeah. that I I. I'm much better at, I can look across the industry and I can aggregate ownership projections, but also I can run lineups with projection sets and go, well, based on the contest that I'm playing, Jared Kalenic is going to be a lot, a one-off hitter in a lot of line. Like I, I, like I doesn't, it says 12%. It's going to be like 18 to 20%, like just on the base of people misusing optimizers, like mm-hmm. that's going to happen. Or you take a look and you go, uh, the anti-competitive stuff of like, well, on both these sites, on all these sites, it shows that like uh, shows that Bradley Beal is like the highest leverage player on the slate because he's only going to be six percent owned. Mm-hmm. It's going to make him like ten percent owned, like because people are going to see that and play more, and that's going to adjust. So I adjust a lot of the ownership numbers, right? But how does SaberSim, for instance? So like, if I'm using Lineup HQ, for instance, it's a, it's a knapsack problem solver. So all it's doing so. I'm just getting different ownership sums, right? Or I could convert that to ownership product. Like I could, I could judge the ownership of a lineup by some, you know, blunt proxy with using a sum or a product. Same mm-hmm. thing for the projection, right? I could use ceiling. I could use me. I could use something like that. But in SaberSim, you're weighing these things together. If you're running, if you're running your own simulations, let's say I put in a different projection. How? If, if, for instance, on an NFL slate, I go, well, you have Tyler Lockett's, you know, median at, at 13 floor, yep. uh, these percentiles. And I'm like, I'm going to change that. Like, you're not rerunning a simulation based no. on my projection. So what what is it? If I were to put my own stuff in, like, can SaberSim still work as an optimizer by grading? Like, can you grade out my lineups and what do you, are you still just grading based on your sims or my projections? Yeah, no. So it's an interesting question. So we don't rerun the sims based on your projections, but we alter them. So let's say, you know, you have Lockett at a mean projection of 13 points and you adjust him to 15. Mm. We adjust Lockett's output in every game we've simmed for his game by that same difference. So he's, his fantasy point production in every game sim is now two points greater. In the sims where he scores 30, he's now scoring 32. In the sims where he's scoring one, he's now scoring three. And how does that affect uh, all the other players in the game? They're not affected in that situation. Yeah, but, now, that, but, shouldn't, but shouldn't they? They should. So yeah. let's let's say let's say Jordan. So let's. I'm using an extreme example just because I yeah. teaching an extreme. If I set Lockett's projection at 120 points as a mean, mm-hmm. I mean obviously that's ridiculous. Like there's no there's there's no way that Geno Smith's projection should be should, he he should show up with in all the Lockett. So. What you can do, though, is you can... So this is just talking about an individual player adjustment. You can make adjustments to our team projections as well. So you could say, you know, we have the Seahawks projected to score 18 football, real football points on average. You put that to 35. That will adjust every player's projection playing in that game in a correlated way. And what we essentially do is we we limit the number of sims. We look at only the sims where the average scoring output of the Seahawks is 35 points, figure out what do the players in that game score on average for that subset of sims, and then set all of your custom projections. But wouldn't you, but so, so you don't do that on an individual player? Like, cause I, I would think 
This is, this is how I would think. It's like, that's why I asked the question. Like, let's say I went in, for instance, we use Tyler Lockett as example, not the extreme yeah. example, because you're not going to have many outcomes like that. Uh, so let's say his mean, mean, median or mean projection is 13, and I put him up to mm-hmm. 18, right? Mm-hmm. And let's say my proje- I put I input my projection, well, I'm just saying change it, but let's say I'm just yeah. uploading my own. Uh, <clears throat> obviously, in my projections, Geno Smith's, Projection should be higher as it is, right? Because if I have Lockett higher, my own right. projection should be higher. But I would think that with Saber Sims, let's say you're running game simulations. So let's say you're running 10,000 games, mm-hmm. right? And you have, based on these 10,000 games, you have Lockett's mean at 13. Mm-hmm. So basically you have a certain percentile that is, you know, these out, each 10,000 games, that's the middle. If I moved... Right. If I changed his mean to 18, like, shouldn't, basically, for all the rest of the players in that game, shouldn't you take the 10th, so, like, that score total, shouldn't technically, once I move, bump up Lockett's mean, let's let's say his floor and ceiling, we're going to use yeah. very nebulous terms, floor, let's say, let, let's say his floor and ceiling was 5, 5 and, ten, and 15, and his mean was 10, right, just to make it very normal, and mm-hmm. I bumped it up to, uh, 12 shouldn't you then go into the sims and go we're just gonna run the games out of the 10,000 where that's that set of line so basically we're gonna start eliminating the zero point games and the one point games and we're gonna start weighing higher the 16 point games and 17 point games and then the games where he scores 17 points we're gonna now adjust that we're just going to choose those games. So obviously yeah. Geno Smith has a higher score in those games rather than the zero point games that in my head, the way that I know that you guys work at Sabersim, it feels like that's what it should be doing. And what you're telling me yeah. is that it doesn't really do that. I mean, it it's, I think you do run into a bit of a challenge there because most of the time, I mean, in this perfect example where you're just adjusting Tyler Lockett's projection, like, yeah, I think it makes sense, but most of the time you would end up in kind of a recursive problem where, you know, Geno Smith's projection has also been uploaded. So now you're going, you're ping-ponging. Geno Smith affects Tyler Lockett and we're reselecting the Seahawks game this way and that way. And Right, because ima- imagine, point, I, I understand what you're saying. Imagine if I adjusted Tyler Lockett to be a mean of 50 and Geno Smith right. to be a mean of four. Like Exactly. Then, right. then all of a sudden what in wins? your 10,000 games, there's no outcome that that happened. Like it's an, it's a first quarter Drew injury. Lock throws four touchdowns. Right, yeah. right, right. It just, you don't even have a sample size to even pull anything exactly. from. But I also highlight the fact that if you're uploading your own projections, if one player is like any correlated players based on the projections that you build mm-hmm. should already kind of take that into account that if you have a higher projection on a quarterback, you would expect that other teams, the team's receivers to also have a higher projection as well. And the other factor that comes into play there is the, the correlation between those two players. We'll, we, we calculate the, the correlations there. So when you bump up Tyler Lockett's points, you're going to get more Tyler Lockett. And that means in the actual process of building out the lineups, you are likely to get more Geno Smith because you want more Seahawks stacks, even if Geno's projection hasn't changed at all. So, I mean, because I think that the main thing that I'm, that, I mean, I'm just highlighting is that I think that a lot of the stuff that you're doing at SaberSim mm-hmm. is in the right path mm-hmm. of as far as what 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 settings should be in an optimizer. Right. The only difference is is that it needs to be done in a way where 
a user doesn't necessarily have to trust your project. I can upload my own stuff and it still selects based on something that I don't have to write myself. So like the, to me, the big, the biggest issue with, with optimizers is clumping. Mm-hmm. The biggest issue by far, because of the way, because that's what you, essentially that's what you're doing is that you're using very blunt diversification methodologies just so you're not, you don't have Saquon Barkley in 98% of your lineups. So you're like, well, I only want 20%. And then once you start getting into these min-mask exposures, yes. you're getting away from the right, the wrong, you're not, most users think you're solving a problem of above the field, below the field ownership, when in fact, you're just solving a diversification problem in your portfolio. So one of the highlight things that I, that's, this is why I don't like focusing on settings is that, and I always make the example of, you have 50% of player A, 50% of player B. They're both 25% owned. So you're like, oh, I want to be double the field on both these players. Then what ends up happening is that you build 100 lineups and half of your lineups have both of them and half of your lineups have none of them. Or half of your lineups have one and half of your lineups have the other. They both say 50% exposure, right? So unless you actually looked at the lineups, you would not know the difference. So now you can put in all these exposures, build 150 lineups and have a horrible fucking portfolio set and then look at at Squirrel Patrol, and he has literally the same exact exposures on every single player that you have, and mm-hmm. his ROI on that slate, he won first, he won whatever, and it's like, well, how did he get to those lineups? And I got to, like, yeah, because he was building on the lineup level, not on the exposure level, and the optimizers, and even your, most optimizers, mm-hmm. when you start focusing on those inputs rather than on the macro and this is with the conversation that we started on on, on Twitter because yeah. I was listening to Behind the Sims and I'm like, like, why are you guys trying to solve solve the wrong problem? It's like, dot, stop trying to solve for the right settings, right? Because there are no right settings. You you highlight the fact that that like, no, this is how you're supposed to put in your opinions. But mm-hmm. really, that's not what you're selling. Like, like you're selling, like I'm 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 doing this as as more of a, a mark as a, as a, I'm putting on my marketing hat now. Yeah. Right? As someone that has done digital marketing for 20 years. And it's like, it says on the front page of your site, winning lineups fast. The pros may have more time and a bigger bankroll than you, but that doesn't mean you can't compete. Obviously, we know that the bigger bankroll doesn't matter. I, I know the messaging. It's not technically yeah. true, but I understand the messaging. You just need the right tools. We crunch the numbers for you so you can build winning lineups fast. If you can't spend all day on DFS, you need Saber Sim. So from the marketing message to me is that if you have the ability, which you guys do, if Mm -hmm. you trusted your Sims, and that's the number one thing, I'm not saying not to trust it, but even with the blitz, when people ask me, uh, you know, Oh, you just build lineups from numbers. Like you, like, like, yeah, I just build lineups from numbers. It's like, and you Mm -hmm. trust the numbers. That's like, well, if you don't trust the numbers, you can't do any of this. I understand if you don't trust the numbers and you want to go, uh, someone's birthday is today. And he did well last week. Like, feel free to do that. I mean, like once you, if you don't trust the inputs, then the whole process breaks down. Feel free to bake your lineups on the bathroom toilet. If you, I mean, <laughs> yeah. like that. So there's a matter of trust in your model or in the mm-hmm. model, like either build a model yourself and most likely it's not going to be better than what's out there. So why am I bothering? So I don't, I'm even getting past the fact that I'm not saying not even to trust Sabres. Like, fine. I trust your numbers completely, right? Mm-hmm. Your Sims, I trust it completely. Uh, if you're telling me that I have to put in settings 
that like like oh well these aren't the best lineups you have to put in the, which ones do you want and blah 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 it's like well you're marketing like you already ran you already ran all the sims and the and the crunches and the whatever like why can't just uh I'm playing a, 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 let's say people that don't even understand contest dynamics and you're just like mm-hmm. just give me five profitable lineups like just just why why can't you just give me five profitable lineups like just just I but of course. They don't take into account the standard deviation of the lineups. They don't t- like right. we, we both know this, but what is being sold is, well, why do I have to put in any settings? Right. If you're telling me that's like, oh, you build winning lineups fast then just give me give me the lineups. Like if you have a if you have a, a way to grade lineups in general, if you didn't have mm-hmm. a way of grading lineups, that's what a current optimizer is. In lineup HQ, there's nothing that will tell you this. We are grading it even on a proprietary system of like a grade of A, B, C, or whatever. Right. Like if we're telling you that this is an A lineup. And of course, we can only grade it based on what contest are you playing, the ownership of the, like all these contest variables. And we go, okay, this is a B plus lineup for this. Con- and then you'd also have to put in a standard deviation metric or proxy of like a grade of like, like, yeah, this lineup, when you stack against Jacob DeGrum, like, this lineup has, is plus EV, actually. Yeah. But it, lose, it loses 99, it doesn't even cash, like, 99% of the time, but it wins enough first place finishes that is technically a very high EV lineup, but, like, you wouldn't want to play 20 of these if you if your risk profile is very, is, is not high, Right. Yeah. So like there would be a grade for that also. So like once once you have those two grades, is there a point to any of the other settings? Well, I think where it gets interesting is that kind of trust leash that you you talked about. I mean, you can you can do exactly what you've described. Go to Saberson, build 20 lineups. We will grade them. We'll, we'll build 500 and grade them and say, here's the best 20 you could play. Here you go. And you can go on your way and, and use those. I think if you start taking a close eye to some of the lineups, especially if you're talking about a sport that you've been playing for a while, there are going to be, you're going to see things sometimes that you don't want to play. I mean, Saberson might tell me, hey, a, a QB plus four lineup is is profitable for three of your 150 this week. Mm. And I might disagree with that. And I, I mean, I've been playing NFL long enough that I just say, you know what, I, I think something, we might be over projecting correlation between these two players just enough, or we might have just a high enough 99th percentile of this game that it's overweighting the, the, the probability of this happening. And then I'm removing that stack from the, the portfolio. But once you kind of open the door for that, which, which we have, and we say, you know, there is value that can be added here, then all of a sudden the game switches to control. And it's like, how much control can I have over these lineups? And that's kind of the delicate balance that we find ourselves in most of the time of trying to build, you know, the most GPP ready lineups out of the box, while also maximizing the amount of control for people that have the skills to add additional value to what we're doing. Out, but out you, but you can't add, but the, the, the point that I'm making is that you can't add additional value. You could only change the dynamics of your portfolio. Like what, what, like what I was saying via DM to you is that mm-hmm. if you have a way to grade, if wait, we're assuming, we're assuming two things. We're assuming uh, two things. One, trust your projections and every part of your process. Okay. So like, okay. like that's the number one, like you have to do that. Like we, we trust the grade every, like trust all of it. Right. 
in the long run, maybe not on a specific yes. slate, but just in the long run, trust I trust yeah. your numbers, trust everything like that. And number two, that you have a way of grading based on contest size and specific contest ownership. Because obviously if you're playing, like it should, ownership should be adjusted for a single entry small field versus a large field millimaker, maker, right? You can't mm -hmm. just use the millimaker maker ownership for your single entry contest when determining anything like that. If those two things are constant and there's a standard deviation of every lineup. Like really what it comes down to is uh, get, let's say I could build, give me the 500th highest EV lineups. And we're using a Sabre score as a proxy. So we're not calculating yeah. the, we're not running contest Sims. We're just using mm -hmm. some type of proxy that we're saying is EV, is, is EV right? Mm -hmm. It's just a proxy, uh, right. a blunt, whatever determination. And I go, I'm just going to go to Sabre Sim and go, Give me, give me the top 500 lineups. And it may be mm -hmm. the top 500 lineups, 90% of this one 3% owned player. Like it, it, yeah. it may, it may, it may be that. Now, do, do I, do I want to play all of that 90? No, I could, out of these 500, I'm going to choose three. And there's still, there's still 50 lineups that don't have that player in it. And I could go like, well, since these top 500, I, I don't mind playing any of the top 500 and I'm going to, I'm going to control the fact of like, out of these 500, which ones I choose, because to me, the 500 aren't all that. It's very similar to what I say on the DFS pregame show. You could build for a large MLB slate, dude, there's 50,000 plus CV lineups you could build. It's just a matter of which 20 do you choose versus which 20 do other, is your 20 higher than someone else's 20? And also there are plenty of people that are building 20 that aren't part of that 50,000 set that are just dead money. So like, mm -hmm. as long as you're, you're, you're playing plus CV lineups, so, like, if you have a determination for that, like, isn't that isn't the messaging and the name of the game uh, a matter of give me the top 500 plus EV lineups that fit this certain risk profile in a 500 set or whatever X set? And I want to I want a total portfolio variance of X right? I want a total standard deviation of my portfolio of Y and then give me a, a lineup set based on that. And then if I want any other constraints, maybe you give me that. Maybe I want a 150 set. I mm -hmm. don't put in anything else other than I want a 150 set that has a variance factor of X and a standard deviation of Y and you give me 150 and uh, I have 65% of this, of Jamal Williams. And then I personally go, I don't, I personally don't want to be exposed as much to Jamal Williams. I'm going to cap him at 20%. Now I want you to give me the top 150 that still contains the X and the Y. Cause obviously since Jamal Williams projects well and is owned more, you're going to start mm -hmm. giving me more Jamal Williams lineups that, that are still plus EV. But since I'm keeping my variance factor low, you're not giving me these very high standard deviation lineups of like nutso lineups that you have as plus EV that rarely ever return anything that win first in the milli once in a while. Like, right. Like to me, that's what we're, that we're, that when we talked about in the very beginning of the first approach of envisioning your lineups, telling the builder what to build versus building a lot of lineups and then telling the builder what, building a lot of good lineups, not a lot of lineups, but a lot of plus EV lineups and then telling the builder what to eliminate based on whatever personal pro, whatever way you want. And then as long as you have a way to like 
have the user build a risk. Pro- Maybe certain users like, no, I just want to bet the best chat, best shots at willing the Millie maker. It's like, here you go. Here's some 0.37% owned players in your lineups and everything. Like you're more than welcome to do so. And then maybe, maybe that type of user sees that they're getting based on that setting on, or on risk profile, they're getting 73% of Chris Moore, the third wide receiver on the Texans. And they go, well, I'm going to put, I'm going to, I'm going to cap him at 10%. And now, now you're getting the third wide receiver of some other, like, it's still conforming to those those X and Y, the standard deviation and variance factor. It's just now, I'm gonna, we're, we're going to make sure to keep, basically you're telling them, you trust our sims, you trust mm-hmm. our projections, you trust our ownership, and we're going to make you a profile, uh, a portfolio of any amount of X lineups you want for whatever Y contest you're playing that fits that that profile. And if, if the profile is, I want the lowest variance possible and the lowest variance factor... And and I'm playing uh, the 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 nine dollar slant or something like that. It's like oh, you want twenty of those lineups? Here's kind of like cash lineups with a one v one. Like they like it would just give you those because obviously like it would re- reduce the correlation. It would reduce all of that and go here are the lineups that are more likely to cash, but probably never mm-hmm. could win. Like once once you have those, you have those numbers. So why can't you just make? Once once you do that, you, you do you need unique number and unique players? Do you need number? No. Do you need randomness? Do you need do you need any of that? Because you already have all these other things. You already have the two things to grade lineups and as well as a portfolio. You just have to put the 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 slot. You basically just have to put the sliders in to say, build me this set for this thing, and then the control element. You could then use education to say, no matter what you put into, no matter what constraints you put in. Will, will do always give the you most plus EV lineups unless unless right. they put in some fucked up thing that it's like then you put up with like no based on your you want to play a hundred percent of three injured players I'm sorry we don't have any plus EV like there aren't like like yeah we know that you would want this but most likely under the play whoever you want banner you could click if you wanted if hey if you wanted to lock in an injured player for the zero I mm-hmm. guarantee you that SaberSim would be able to show you at least some plus EV lineups that cash enough with a zero. Like a t- imagine a twenty five hundred dollar tight end that's injured on yeah. a slate where no tight end scores more than eight points. Taking a zero at tight end or taking a zero at defense, like there are still plus EV lineups there. So do you do you at least understand what I'm saying? Like then then we could just take the whole thing and say the settings don't matter anymore. Like it just comes down to risk profile and is and and wouldn't that be so much more sellable than anything out else out on the market yes in theory i think there's two really i mean the assumptions that you named at the start of this are two really big assumptions the first being our models are perfect you can trust us completely i think that's probably the most well, it's difficult never gonna be perfect but i mean but that isn't but isn't that what you're selling you're selling where we're, i mean i'm looking at the sabersim site it's like uh, you're you're promoting the fact that we have the best projections in the industry. We do we do the sims for you. We crunch the line like it's not you, you would you would be promoting something else if it wasn't. So like if so, who would look at that and go, "Yes, I'm I want the best projections. I want the best sims." But then once I get to the tool, I don't trust you. Like that I don't see like if you're if you're paying for something, it's just like with the blitz projections. Like if you go into mm-hmm. the blitz like dude, let me tell you, like there are tons of people, 95% of people that buy the Blitz, I could tell from the Blitz chat in RG, 
don't understand projections. Like they don't fundamentally understand the distribution right. of a range of outcomes. You know what they do trust? They do trust Derek Hardy. And if Derek Hardy says that Geno Smith or Matt Ryan stacks are good, they play them because they trust the blitz. And of course, on a single game, they're like, oh, the, oh, the Seahawks only scored seven points. Uh, was the blitz wrong? It's like, it wasn't wrong. It's a range of, like, they don't understand projections, but it seems like Cardi is perfectly, gets tons of sales just, and people yeah. plug, plug no, them for in sure. and they and, use them. And I, I don't want to come across like I, I'm saying you can't trust us in that way. I, I think, you know, ultimately it's been an interesting challenge for us since we've put out some of the more recent features like new rules and, and lineup settings and things like that to explain well how somebody should go about using them. Because in theory, you know, the, the perfect user of SaberSim probably isn't using them at all for the exact reasons you have described. Because at best, you are doing things that we have already accounted for and maybe making slightly incremental improvements, squeezing out the tiniest bit of additional EV at best. And it's a, it's a challenge there. I think that's where the interesting intersection between like the marketing side and the actual DFS theory connects because ultimately control is something that feels good to somebody building the lineups. And we've found that when somebody says, hey, I hear you, I've, I've watched every video on your YouTube channel, but I don't want this in my lineups. How do I get there? If the answer is, well, you can't, and here's why you shouldn't, that's so much harder than here's how you do that. And why don't you stick around for a little longer to learn yeah, over time not, why you don't I'm not to saying do that. I'm, I'm saying that you should allow them to do it and then produce a lineup set that that compensate. Like essentially, you're compensating for their that. Well, for, that does happen. Right. So that, saying, that happens. But, but you're not. But you're not getting any diversification set. What, what I'm saying is. What I'm saying is that. Yeah. Like we're, we're having the message of no matter what you can how you you can choose whatever players you could choose whoever you want. You could choose whatever if you want to lock certain stacks in more than welcome to do so. You only want to mm -hmm. play five-man stacks. On I only want to play five, three lineups no matter what. Perfectly fine. We'll just eliminate all the lineups that are not five, three from right. our plus EV sets and then right. build lineups from there. Like, you could do whatever you want. If you choose to just, like, let go of the wheel, like, you could choose to do that also. And then, obviously, we need a way so that there your risk for you could you could highlight what risk profile you have right if how much risk do you want to take how, what what basis of standard deviation of lineups did that you want to have and that's a macro setting that you could put for a slate put for a whatever like on showdown you probably don't mind a million percent risk right mm -hmm. to get uniques and stuff like that like that's a general so if someone wanted to just trust you that's all they really needed to do. And then once they run that right. first test build, right? And then they go, well, do I really want 60%? Oh, I'm only getting 2% of a guy that I think is a good play today. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to put in 20 because I, because I want 20. I'm, I don't care what Saber Sims. Well, Saber Sims not saying that, 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 that player is only in 2% of the best lineups. It's just saying out of, out of, out of, based on this risk profile that you put in, Getting only two percent of this guy in your in your twenty in your one for whatever amount of lineups would be mm -hmm. the best for you. But now that you want twenty, and we know those are going to be higher standard deviation lineups, and you want a hundred lineups, the other eighty, we're going to start choosing less lower standard deviation lineups. So your risk profile. So we're helping you. 
We're helping you stay within so you're not losing all your money more often than not. Yeah. And then if they're fine and they look and they go, okay, I want 20% of this guy. And then they look at the rest of the lineups and go, okay, that's pretty good. Like they know that Sabres, that, that you, you, you cared for them enough. And if they look at the rest of the lineups and go, no, actually I want more of that guy. And I want less of this guy. Like no matter what they do, like they will, you will keep to that risk. Cause once you eliminate that risk profile setting settings, now you're letting the users get in the Lamborghini and yeah. go and drive. And they don't realize that they're, they're driving possibly off a cliff, even trusting your, your projections. So like putting that in rather than allowing them to go like these blunt, I'm not saying you could, if you want to put in number of unique players, if you want to, you could leave all that type mm -hmm. of stuff in, you know, how much yeah. randomness, how much this, how much that, how much, how much, uh, Running back in the flex versus wide receiver in the flex versus tight end in the flex. The stack combination. Do you want run backs in your lineups or anything like that? Maybe they build, they do the same thing. They, I want 20% of Nico Collins today for some reason. Okay, we're going to build 100 lineups that have this risk profile. But obviously, since these are higher risk, we're going to have to kind of de-risk a lot of some of these other lineups to keep your portfolio intact based on your mm -hmm. settings. I mean, it's the, if they choose the risk factor hundred percent, basically they say, just give me the best and I don't give a fuck. Uh, and then let's say they go in and they go, uh, I want to make sure to never have a, a, a only wide receiver 100%. So they look in their hundred lineups and they go, ah, oh, there's a running back flex, running back flex, running and go, I, I don't want running back flex. And they go in. So now you're just, you're building their portfolio again and yeah. And do, and just selecting from lineups that, have no have a wide receiver flex or just have a certain, I want to run back in all of my lineups. I don't care if it's a single, I don't care if it's two plus one, three plus one, one plus one, just every, I want a secondary correlation and I want a secondary correlation of one, one wide receiver on the other team and a player on the other team in 50% of my lineups. Mm -hmm. And now, now Saber Sims going, okay, based on all of these settings, that you say and your risk profile, we will build this now 100 set that fits that. And, and so you're still giving people control, but right. by default, these macro diversification settings are to me more valuable than anything else. Cause it, it number one makes it so that if you trust your Sims or even the projections that you're put my projections that I'm putting in, it's safeguarding. It's basically saying that if I, if I decide to want to play a, a riskier strategy, like Saber Sims going to to give that to me rather than me having to export into Excel and kind of having to do that bluntly, like to right. me that's like to me that's that's the marketing message of like you get you get the best projections right the marketing of the best projections the best the optimizer that doesn't do what other optimizers do and we're, we're all, it's like that, like, like H and R block says, you know, if you're doing your taxes. It's like, like there's always some guy in the back saying, if you ever need any help, we're back here. Just realize you're going through our system and anything you put in, we're going to always pop up and say, are you sure? Like, yeah. are you like, like, is like, you know, that once you put this in, we could help you get a bigger refund. Like kind of like if you knew that in the back, back end, that no matter what portfolio that you build, that, it's not going to just solve a knapsack problem that it's going to b give you the best lineups that it could possibly can based on that. As long as the portfolio is risked appropriately for the contest size it's in, like 
How, what better, like, I, I can't think, yep. like, dude, I'd, I'd be using it. It's a, And it's an interesting idea. I mean, we've talked about this a bunch on our end. I think overall, like, that portfolio management side of things is under-discussed and underutilized just in DFS. I think it's, like, the, the next wave almost uh and it, it's something we've talked about a lot on our end i mean at the moment saberson can do basically everything that you have described up until that last moment where we're essentially maximizing ev and not always focused on risk as, as a portfolio right. risk management right i mean risk management is something that is left to the person building their lineups to do in with mostly blunt tools like player exposure right, but the, but and, the problem you, I, you the know on the show all the time is that People don't understand the difference between risk management and strategy. They think right. that exposures and everything are, are – what is my strategy? I'm going to play more of this guy, less of that guy, more of like – like, no, we'll build the lineups for you that are plus EV. Like, you don't have to worry about that. It's just a matter of, like, what what risk do you want to have in your portfolio? And, and educationally, like, if it was more like that, like, you're – the fact that you have the ability to do so because you grade mm-hmm. these things as mm-hmm. opposed to other optimizers that don't, lineup HQ won't do that for you, right? right? You have to do that bluntly for yourself. Isn't that the biggest selling point that there could possibly be of like, like you're, you could you play as risky as you want. You know that you're in the back. So like you're, you have a show that you have to now educate that the settings, you have to do two things now based on your current way is mm-hmm. that you have to educate people that that the settings are in strategy and that there aren't any right settings and that the settings are really a risk management tool. And then they go, well, what's risk management? Why wouldn't I want to just build the liners with the highest EV? And it's right. like, well, if you're playing 50% of your bankroll, you're going to go broke if you, if you, if you did that, right? Like you have, there's so many more educational steps rather than implementing something that's like, we don't necessarily even have to teach you this. We just have to say, like, if you want us to make sure that you're you're not making too risky mistakes and your your line of portfolio will still be good enough, you're more than welcome to let us do so. And if you don't, then fuck it. Just uncheck it and then whatever. But, like... That to me, that I, I can't see like we could we could help all to say to instead of saying we build winning lineups and blah 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 blah, you say uh, we can guarantee based on our sims that any lineup that you produce through our optimizer is plus EV in the contest that you're playing based on the projections and the ownership that we currently have, which we think are the best in the industry, and mm-hmm. how you choose your lineups is up to you. Right. It's, like, yeah. Like they, I no. mean, like, there you go. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's compelling, obviously. Um, I mean, I think building out the, the portfolio management tools and, and more things like that is something that's, that's on our radar. That's something that we want to do. I mean, I think it's the direction that it makes sense to go in. Uh, because at the moment, all of those lineup grades, all of that stuff like that is, on it's a per there. lineup basis, it's it's there, it's there and it's, but it's right. on a per lineup basis, right? Right. Yeah. That's why I said you, so, you've you've solved the you've solved the problem, and now I'm listening to behind the Sims and like like a lot of the behind the Sims was like uh sit, like you're back testing, like all these episodes, a lot of these episodes were you guys back testing uh slider settings 
based on historical data and slates. Yes. And, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm listening to this going, this methodology is so is flawed and not useful because I don't care about like, like you're, these are diversification settings. They're so not, I they're not say, strategy based settings. So on the, the slider back testing that we most recently done, that was done in exactly the way that you're describing here. That was done. What is the, what maximizes upside and minimizes risk amongst the portfolio of lineups that we build. So that, is already taking into account risk across the entire lineup portfolio, portfolio. there. Right. right. Uh, but ultimately, you still have to select for a subset of lineups of that portfolio, which is not risk optimized in right. that particular case. Right. Yeah. And that's where it gets challenging because then you start to have to incorporate the stances. And and I, I know I'm using the word opinion of the person using the product. And that's that's where it gets challenging because you're then you're adjusting dynamically, right? You're saying, you know, I, you want 25% Jamal Williams. Okay, now what is the best risk optimized portfolio? Okay, no QB plus three, great. Now and running that dynamically each time. I mean, that, that's the 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 technically challenging part there, right? Or or but even if you just build the sub build the set and just eliminate those lineups, I mean, you if mm-hmm. if people are tr- for instance, if people are trusting your projections, you could. You could theoretically build all the lineups and save and save that so you don't have to ever run. Well, I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking more. I'm thinking more as a, as a programmer of like behind yeah. the scenes, run literally create all of the possible lineups, and then you never have to like. Well, oh, 25 percent Jamal Williams. It's like well, you're not running any lineups anymore. You're all you're doing is well, um, we're only choosing from 25. We're only going to choose from this sample. Right. And then and spit it out from there. So there's there's going to be no really no processing time to do so. Yeah, except for the upfront part of building every single line, which well, in course. some sports is is, yeah. is nuts. Right. But I mean, you don't even have to build you don't have to build some type of global like in baseball. Like, dude, you don't have to worry yourself about the that uh, the, the, the relief pitchers and the and the and the subs and the, the subs on the bench, the pinch hitters like you could kind of right. limit like. You could you could have some way of saying reasonable, playable lineups, right? To some extent, yeah, lineups that only spend with, twenty thousand in salary in baseball just throw out. Like you could throw out a lot of those combinations. Yeah, I I think it's probably still billions of lineups for like a large MLB slate. Even adjusting for, I mean, even with a min salary of forty eight thousand or something like that, and a a relatively high minimum projection floor, I think the number of lineups is still massive. Yes. I mean, obviously that would be the perfect implementation of like a DFS process would be to build every single lineup you possibly could, have some objective way of grading all of them for the contest you're playing and entering those. I mean, that's that is clearly the the, the why, best way why, that you could play why, DFS. Why don't you guys hire Nerdy Tenor then? Uh, yeah, I mean that's I think yeah, and, and having them. I mean, pit, you're, you're essentially describing what he does. <laughs> yeah, I right. I, I mean, I think the the challenge is is actually like doing that. Obviously, I mean, I think the other thing that's interesting there too is you know, right now we select from a subset of our sims and hand those lineups to anybody that goes to build lineups on on saber sim and because you're not selecting from the entire pool you are 
there's some level of randomness. We're basically saying that the noise of our sims, the noise of the accuracy of the sims means that there's probably a ton of lineups that are very similar EV and we can safely hand people different, you know, buckets of lineups as they're building. If you'd had every single lineup you could possibly build and every single one of them was rated, the best overall lineup for a given contest would be identical for every single player. And then you have an interesting problem of like, is that still the best lineup if 2,000 people go and enter that all into the same contest? And you have this circular issue of a lineup can actually become degraded because it's being played. Of course, I know. And yeah, I know. I know you know. I just think uh, on like on an actual technical standpoint or of, of like a product standpoint, that's an interesting balance to strike there. I mean, we even talked for a bit about adding some kind of like dupli- duplication tools to SaberSim. Like I know that you've got in the, the newest course, I, I've used the, the duplication spreadsheet a bunch. You do that's still, a, that's still a blunt tool. You could go back to a blunt tool. much more precise. But how, how many people do you have to tell this lineup is going to be unique before it becomes not unique? Like what, where is the, the line there? Of well, the ownership, the saying, ownership oh, of the combinations start going up. So really, it's your ownership projections that are off. So a lot of I times, just it a- bluntly gets taken care of already. With that, that's why do you think my 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 secret sauce, if you want to call it, is the yeah. abil- the ability to predict ownership better than than the out than algorithm. I I I I have no way of like back testing for seven years, but in my I back t- I I have back tested in MMA. Mm-hmm. My ownership has the highest R squared of any of of any source, and yeah. my and you know now, how my ownership is done purely by 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 fee. I mean purely by I get a ba- I get the aggregate as a base, and I go uh, no no the, this this ninety two hundred female fighter that has limited ceiling is not mm-hmm. going to be twelve percent owned. She's going to be seven percent owned. Right. And it's, yeah. and I know that she sh- probably should be 12% owned based on if you ran the lineups, but people aren't going to click on that name. And more people are going to, the guy, the guy below him, below her at 38% will be 40 now. And the guy below him will be, you know, where's that ownership going? And right. if I did, did that, typically I'm more, much, I'm way more on the dot than anything else. So like, to me, when you say with the duplication stuff is like, mm-hmm. well, I have to judge how many people in my contest are are being aware of these things. Like the same thing when I aggregate projections, when I try to build representative sets in my correlation matrix tool, mm-hmm. like, okay, let me take a look at what people will build from the ETR projections. Let me see what people are going to build from the stochastic projections. Let me see what people are going to build from the daily roto projections. But then I mm-hmm. also have to consider how many people in my contest are using these projections. How many people are using some type of aggregate? How many people in, in the millimaker? If I'm building well, millimaker lineups, like I don't need to be that anti-competitive because there's right. tons of, Half the field aren't using any projections, so I don't have to worry myself. But if I'm playing the the the, the power sweep, the one fifty three max power sweep, like dude, if 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 ETR has Jalen Waddle much well, three points higher projected than any other source, and that, like the ownership is like, I look at RG and we have him at eight percent own, and I adjust for the field size, and I go, well, in small field will be twelve. Like now, based on what I'm seeing, he's going to be about like sixteen to eighteen. Like people or people are going to think that this stack is sneaky, mm-hmm. but everyone yeah. thinks that stack is sneaky. So I'm going to, but the thing is, is that 
I'm not just going in and just building lineups. Like I'm adjusting the ownership. So now based on the ownership differences, the duplication, like for, for the showdown, for instance, duplication is going to change. I, I got the, this past Monday, this uh, past slate, uh, what Monday night football, the Cowboys one mm-hmm. that uh, most sites had Ferg that when Schultz was out Ferguson, there were two $200 tight ends. And Ferguson ran like 56 plays, the 56% of the plays the week before. So everyone assumed he's just going to be Dalton Schultz. And I'm like, well, how about, how about uh, Hender, 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 Hendershot. Hendershot. It's like, well, what yeah. happens if he's the guy? I mean, they're both 200. And uh, most projections had uh, Ferguson one and a half points higher than Hendershot. But to me, at a $200 price point, it's a binary outcome. Who's catching right. the touchdown? I mean, that really right. comes. I'm not expecting these guys to get five or six targets. I'm expecting two targets, right? And it, and in order to get paid off at that price in in showdown, it's really kind of a touchdown worth of mm-hmm. points. Uh, why is the, the ownership projection was twenty four to eight? So for that three x projection, I I got like Hendershot in so many more lineups, but in the small in the small field. It was even more pronounced. The Hendershot actually came in at three percent owned mm-hmm. because so many people are like, "Well, they're using Ferguson over Hendershot. They're using Ferguson every and because everyone has Ferguson as this is going to be the guy." And Hendershot is kind of like maybe, maybe he's the maybe he catches something type of thing. It's like who says it's the other way around? So if I were to properly adjust, if I adjusted ownership for twenty four to three, I would have gotten Hendershot in like ninety percent of my lineups. I mean, it would have been it would have been nuts. And if I wanted to take that risk, I could have. I had him in forty one percent of my lineups. But like those ownership adjustments, those anti competitive, what you're talking about, mm-hmm. like you would either you have to judge that, or the user has to judge that, regardless of if you're if people are using SaberSim or not. Like to me, that should be more up to the user. Than anything else, yeah. because it's it's hard. It it, it would be hard for you, because essentially, what you'd in order for you to grade that, to grade p- potential uh, ownership differences and duplication problems, mm-hmm. what you would have to do. I don't know. I mean, your competitors would probably wouldn't like it. You would essentially have to run the simulations with other you'd have to essentially download stochastic projections and run that on your back end. And then without marketing the fact say that, yeah, we've looked at all the other sites so we could, we could, we could uh, exploit them too. And I don't know how much of a good business practice that. Well, and it's even a challenge, like even outside of like the, the Saberson product. I mean, you have on one side, you have the anti-competitive competitive component of, of seeing what other models are going to tell people to do like you've described. Mm-hmm. I also think then it becomes interesting. And when you're talking about duplication, particularly, it becomes interesting of what is, if you used ownership product to calculate duplication, for example. Ownership what is product the, and, and, and salary. And, and Sure, whatever your your you yeah, what, I mean, only because it's more likely that people are playing fifty k forty nine nine for like like a a, a a an ownership product that's high on a lineup that's forty six four in showdown is much less likely to be duped than it's the same thing with the the cheap captains like I I, yeah. I rarely ever play cheap captains because even at 0.5% owned, it's like almost all those lineups. There's only the so many lineups. Right, there's right. only so many combinations of lineups. Unless unless you leave 8,000 on the table, and then once you leave 8,000 on the table with a cheap captain lineup, your 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 win probability just like 
like dives to the point of stupidity. Right. But like, what is the highest EV predicted lineup to be unique using the Roto Grinders projection? Then what is the highest EV predicted to be unique lineup with the Awesomeo projections and and so on? And how likely are those lineups to be actually unique? If there is some publicly available tool out there identifying them as such, right? And there, I, then the rabbit hole just starts going deeper from there. Of like how because duplication is such an interesting problem, where the lineup going from unique to one dupe is such a big change on that right. lineup's EV that you you can't really afford to be very wrong right. at the, the extremes. The, the worst the worst scenario to be in, the worst scenario, is playing low in probability lineups that are duped once. Right. Yeah. Like that. that, that I and mean, it's, like, like obviously the worst case is that low probability lineups are duped a hundred times. But I mean, but like if you're off by that much, that's why like in, in looking through, because I've been using, my, you know, the theory of DFS tools, you know, mm-hmm. theory of DFS.com. Uh, and, uh, and I've been I've been studying MMA for so long because I tried because during COVID it came back and I'm like, I'm going to solve this. This is like NFL showdown and mm-hmm. downloading the CSVs. I saw so much suboptimal play. That I'm like I'm I'm going I'm going to solve this in the best way that I can bluntly, right. and then like I, I would I would see that there are people that are playing tons of unique lineups, but based on at least my blunt calculation, their win probabilities were so low that I'm like, is this even profitable to do at a 150 level? Mm-hmm. That it's what yeah I want it yeah you're right I want you I want unique lineups but to what extent? And then I saw on many MMA slates that the highest EV or at least EV by proxy lineups were lineups that were duped two or three times. Like that had an adequate enough win probability, mm-hmm. but only duped. It's me and two other people. It's me and three other people that once you start getting past 10, it got starts dipping dramatically down. And then, you know, there's some like sevens, eights that could be fine that are really kind of chalky. And then there's still plenty of uniques that are fine also. But right. a lot of those uniques, what I've been finding is that what I'm viewing as unique, four other people have, right? Like it's coming up as unique. Exactly. And then, yeah. and then there are certain, and there are also certain, but there are also, the funny part is there are certain lineups that I predict to be duped twice that are duped twice, that are duped mm-hmm. three times. Like it's, it seems you're, you're the case that you're saying is absolutely correct that there are a lot of people building for optimizing for uniques that if you're just optimizing for uniques, you're either getting a dupe of two or three or you're in order to get those uniques, your win probability is going way down too too far that I find that optimizing, if you optimize for like under fives, since there are let there aren't many people up, they're accidentally getting to under fives by playing mm-hmm. uniques that other people think are unique, or there are people that are just playing a lot of chalky lineups that are over over five anyway, right? So to me, like those are the highest EV lineups of like if I had 150 lineups in MMA, and I could, I want the highest win probability lineups that are duped under five, and I think. In the long run, that would be the most profitable portfolio uh, based on the fact that it's more and more unlikely that you're finding uniques that have a high win probability. I mean, I see people on on slates that have like minus 500 fighters 
three or four of them and like like mm-hmm. like really barbelly like very lopsided fights and it's like average average salaries 473 and i'm like like dude like yes yes you you got 100 you got 142 uniques but i'm looking through these lineups with five underdogs in them going no i'm not saying they have no shot just like in comparison to the betting lines that right. there are that it's much more likely like fine play three underdog lineups then Right. Okay. Fine. Then now your win probably starts going up more, but it's so, so much more likely on this slate that the it's more likely. I I found that on those types of slates, it is more likely it the a lineup that has a losing the high the highest scoring losing underdog is more likely to be the optimal than a five underdog lineup. So it's like if I I the and the losing underdog yeah could be a stack. It could be a three-round fight. like So a three-round fight stack with the losing, the highest losing underdog has a higher win probability, and it's more likely to even be unique because people don't stack three-round fights, at least not on purpose, uh, that that lineup would be better than five underdog lineups on that type of slate. Now, on a slate where the hot biggest favorite is only minus 180, then those lineups, then I'm building a lot of those types of lineups. So it's like simply going by uniques and stuff like that. I know we're getting off the course of like, like the anti-competitiveness of people using the no, same no, tool, yeah. but it's all related to that, that, that I don't believe that, that you're, you're, you're almost putting the cart before the horse. It's like, you're already coming up with the, uh, what do we do 10 years from now? Like now, instead of just doing what would be right now and then worrying about that 10 years from now. So, I mean, do you not think that what I'm describing here is an issue in DFS in 2022 then? That 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 we haven't arrived at that yet? Oh, no, uh, not not in not in the not in the classic, not in the classic sports. Right. It, it really co- it really comes down to 150 years, like like uh, Brian says on lulls all the time. Right. It's like it's. A, a quite big signal if you just separated 150 maxers now i'm not a 150 maxer but i still make plus mm-hmm. EV liners because i just i don't i don't play 150 i'm playing 50 i'm playing 75 so right. it's not i'm not saying all 150 and i'm not saying all that don't play 150 but as as a heuristic that if you just were to take the subset of 150 maxers and put them in a in a subset of lineups Whatever that is, those are probably the best lineups in the contest, mm-hmm. right? So the more of those lineups that are in a contest, the less and less edge there is in the contest. Now, obviously, there are some 150s that are horrible in large field. They may be fine in small field, but they're horrible in large field, right? Mm-hmm. There's still plenty of those. But as a general rule, like that, like playing the, tw- the $9 slant, for instance, in NFL is nowhere near as good as it was three years ago because they mm-hmm. reduced the size of the contest to like 23,000, but the same, the same amount of 150 maxers are playing. So when I won the slant, when it was 55,000 entries, the percentage of 150 maxer lineups in there were like 22%. Now it's like 46% of lineups yeah. are coming from people that put in 150. So to me, judging based on that. So like, we're still not at the point where a lot of the contests that uh, that a more casual, so let's say the type of person that that you that you'd want to attract to saber sim, not mm-hmm. as very casual, but someone that sure. is not going to be 150 max or that whatever that wants 20 my playing the three dollar 20 max, playing the single entry 12 dollar, maybe playing 20 lineups into the millimaker, 
Like, I don't think that it it's going to affect, but anyone that's playing 150 max is doing enough to whatever you're showing that they're not going to end up on, like, I'm not going to just go up to Saber Sim and go, regardless mm-hmm. of risk, regardless of anything, give me the top 150 and then find that 10 other people have the same exact 150 lineups. It's like, oh yeah, those, those people, they, the, it's not going to happen that way. What ends up, what may end up happening is you may get single users that don't understand anything that just take the top lineup, right? So whatever your top lineup based on everything that you put in for this contest and go, this is the highest EV lineup. We don't give a shit about the standard deviation. We don't care that it only wins once in every 14 years and it wins a million dollars and every other time it comes in last place. We don't care about that. That lineup may be duped eight times, right? Because some yeah. user from SaberSim just said, well, that's the best lineup. I'm pl-, and they played in a double up or something like that. And you're like, like, no, that's that's right. That, to me, that's not the fact that you display it that way would be the issue, not the yeah. fact that you exist. Like, like if people are doing that, that means you 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 failed a user uh, interface slash educational thing of like, well, that shouldn't have been shown that way. Like, there's something in the user interface where it shows that that this is this is the highest uh, profitability lineup in the long run, regardless of risk, regardless of everything, for the largest possible field content, like some way of showing that or just not showing it where you can't mm-hmm. just simply like, like I'm a, like on Saber Sim, because is the question I was going to ask before. Yeah. If I were to put my own projections in, okay, so I'm putting in all of my own projections and I have default, just default, whatever. It doesn't matter what the sliders are. What is, what is the, what are you solving for, for me? So are you solving for mean projection or can I put it in into your into your uh, settings that I do not want you to solve by mean projection? I want you to solve by saber score. Yeah, so it de- it depends a bit on what kind of sporting contest you're building for. But at a baseline, what we do is we the very first thing that happens is we select a subset of our game simulations the size of which is dependent on the contest and sport you're building for. And for a given single lineup, use the projections that the player scored in that subset of Sims to start from. From there, the lineup is constructed and players, those projections are adjusted based on the player's ownership, Mm -hmm. as well as how well they correlate to the players that have already been used in that lineup. Mm -hmm. And a a single lineup is constructed that way. Then we move on to the next lineup, which is a totally different random subset of game Sims. So for NFL Showdown, the, the sim used to build each lineup is is a single game of football. Right. For a baseball 15-game main slate, you might be using a bucket of 30 different sims of each game because we don't need to get that specific into a singular game outcome to bin, to beat, you know, 10,000 other lineups in a in a baseball GPP. So that's that's how the lineup is constructed. Uh after which the lineups are sorted by saber score, which is a relative calculation that's approximating EV, but it's only amongst, it's only amongst the lineups in that build. And I think, you know, that's something that I always try to do as best of a job as I can on, on our streams of stressing is that that's a relative calculation that is always going to identify one lineup from that build as the best. Right. It doesn't necessarily mean that that's the best lineup you could play, or even that that lineup, depending on what you did before that to run that build is even plus EV, but that is the best lineup of that build for those inputs. 
Okay. So, so in sorting by that, it's quite possible that the highest, and let's say I put in my own projections and all default, no constraints, no nothing. Lineup HQ, if I did that and I built five lineups with it, what, mm-hmm. w- what it will give me every single time yeah. is the highest mean, mean projection, some lineup, then the second highest mean projection, some lineup, then the third highest mean projection, some lineup. Like it'll just, what's the, I'm just solving for this F points column. Mm-hmm. That's the, that number one, number two, number three, number four, number five. There's nothing in the middle. If you wanted 150 of these, I'm just going to give you one, one to 150 based on right. just meeting projection sum. Now in SaberSim, you're telling me that instead of solving for that, like it's going to go, it's going to build these lineups and go lineup one, lineup two, lineup three, lineup four. And then the highest Saber score lineup could be a lineup that mean projection. Let's say I built five lineups. The same thing I put in my own projections. It's mm-hmm. quite possible that the top five lineups based on Saber score are, aren't any of those five lineups like at all. Yeah. And then if you ran that repeatedly, you were probably going to get a different set of five lineups right. every single time because the Sims were selected differently each time. Right. Right. So it's, so it's quite possible that the five lineups that I run on Saber Sim lineup one has a, let's say on, on, on lineup, if you do just linearly lineup HQ, whatever you do it in mm-hmm. Excel, whatever the fuck you want to do. Uh, the lineup one is a mean projection sum of one ten. Lineup two mm-hmm. is one Oh nine, one Oh eight, one Oh so obviously there's points in the middle, but just for we're us talking one Oh one ten, one Oh nine, one Oh eight, one Oh seven, one Oh six. And you go, okay, there you go. Those are the top, those are the top five lineups. They're never going to change because it's just, mm-hmm. I'm just solving the problem. There, there you go. Done. Uh, based on your Sims, the ownership, the contest type, everything, all that other stuff, you go, okay, here, here are the, fi- give me the, give me optimized for five, five lineups based on my projections or even your projections, but mine. Mm-hmm. It may say that, okay, uh, here are five lineups. Uh, the Here's the highest Sabre score lineup. It's a lineup with a mean projection sum of 103. So it's not even mm-hmm. part of the, even it's not like, it's not, it's seven points lower in mean projection than even the optimal linear one. Number two yeah. is one, the 108 lineup, the third lineup from that five set from before. Mm-hmm. The fourth one is a lineup that's 98 mean projection sum because the ownership is much lower like that. Yeah. And number four is, is, Number four maybe is lineup one, the 110 lineup. Mm-hmm. Like number four is that in Saber score. And number five is some other lineup at 102. Like, but it doesn't sort by, it's not like, like, oh, well, I'm going to sort by mean projection sum. It's just like, nope, based on our Saber score, here are the, here are the top five lineups based on that. If you want, hey, you want the top 20, you want the top 50, you want the top 500. Like it's, it's optimizing for that and not like, it's not, it's not say it's not saying, for instance, the other way around would be we're gonna solve for mean projection sum of 150 mm-hmm. or whatever the five. Like it would be different. Let's take the five lineup example again, just so everyone that's listening could get a one-to-one example. Yeah. So lineup HQ or any other optimizer, knapsack problem solver, 110, 109, 108, 107, 106, 105, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yours may not even have any of the five lineups in the top five based on Sabre score, but it may have the third. It may, it may. I mean, who knows? Yeah. That, that, on a, a low dip, correlation but, sport, it might. On a right. high correlation sport, like they, I mean, it will almost certainly not have right. whatever comes out of, yeah. Right. But, but there's a difference though. I want to highlight the difference of 1v1. There's a difference though 
because the question I'm asking is which one does it do? And you're, you're kind of saying that it does the first one, but the second one would mean that let's say I built five lineups in lineup HQ, same thing, 110, 109, 108, 107, 106. I go to SaberSim with my projections and then I say, build the best five lineups. And then it builds me 110, 109, 108, 107, 106. And then out of those five lineups, it says, well, the third one has the highest Saber score. So it's taking my projections, do it, solving the knapsack problem and then grading rather than taking my projections and then solving the Saber score thing. And then it's just displaying a mean projection. So there's a difference between optimizing for mean projection and then grading and a difference between optimizing for saber score and then displaying a mean projection. So that's the question of which one are you doing? Yeah. So it is, it's neither sort of when a lineup first, so let's, I want to first, if you were building cash lineups on saber sim and you turned all of the GPP settings off, it would solve the knapsack problem exactly the same way any other optimizer does. Right. So for GPP specifically, it is taking a subset of Sims and setting players' projections to those values. And for the very first player entered into the lineup, I mean, a lineup is built player by player in, in the actual solver, it resembles what another tool would be doing. It's it's picking some player that has a very high raw point total relative to the salary and entering that player in the lineup. But from that point on, every other player in the pool is having their numbers change based on their correlation right. primarily to that original player. And then the lineup gets constructed from there. So it's not optimizing. And I and, and, I, and to be completely like transparent, I don't have a, a completely intimate idea of how the actual solver works. This is uh, being somewhat general here because that's, that's the limit of my knowledge on this. Right. But the Saber score is purely a grading method that only happens after. So it, nothing is optimized for Saber score. It is, the okay, lineup so, is built. So, so uh, uh, to be clear, so if I were to build, for instance, mm-hmm. I'm using an extreme example. I went into Saber Sim. I put in the worst settings possible. Mm-hmm. I want I want 150% of the 10, 12K injured player. Yeah, I want the I want the, I want I'm going to change the projection of this guy to zero. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to build like the de facto fucking garbages line yeah. possible. Yes. Uh, and I go, I want 150 of these garbages lineups possible. Like it's the Sabre score. It's going to still show like, oh, yeah, this it's, is a this this save this Sabre score is one point three one. And if you built a great one hundred and fifty set. This lineup has a 1.31 also because it's the best relatively in your set. The best is always 100. So it's normalized. Yeah. Right. So yes, your your terrible build that you've done your best to completely ruin, you will still have the best lineup in that pool will be listed at 100. Okay. So so you're telling me that so you're not, you're not scoring lineups individually. They're scored individually relative to the other lineups. Oh, well, that's what I'm saying. No, I'm not saying... Uh, how about individually relative to all the other lineups? But I want, yes. I want the great. You know, you can do it. You have the lineups. If we did, I mean, I, I the the challenge there then, yeah, is building every single lineup. I mean, right. that, take that, the that subset is, of lineups that are going to be most represent. You have the ownership. You have you do your own ownership. The fact that you have an ownership percentage means you're already running that, right? I can tell you're you may not. 
the fact that you have an ownership that if you can calculate an ownership and you're doing it algorithmically, you can't tell me that you can't generate a, a set of 220,000 milli lineups that, that are going to be representative of the field and then be able to grade those lineups and then show me what the grades are. Yeah. I mean, th- at this point it'd be a, a contest simulator is, is essentially like what you would would have there. Yeah, but I mean, but you're 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 saber scoring it not based on a contest sim. No, the saber score is based on how basically saber scores how how well did we do how well did we do the job that the the sliders implied, right? Like how well did we fit to this contest? So, that's basically what it's graded. Yeah, but but you but you know that. So, so let's say let's say there's a th- let's say you're playing a, t- a thousand person contest, right? Mhm. Okay, and then you have own you, you have the ownership for that. The projected ownership. Well, you don't have the actual mm-hmm. ownership, but the projected ownership. The fact that you have the projected ownership means that you can build a representative sample. I mean, the fact that you algorithmically make ownership means you can, because the only way to build, get algorithmically created ownership is to build the actual repre- representative set of lineups. So you take the representative set of a hundred, a thousand lineups, and obviously there are going to be users that build lineups that aren't in that set, but very close to that set. And there's a way to compare those lineups to one another. So like if you could build a representative set of those 1000 lineups and based on the set of 1000, which would have the highest Sabre score out of the thousand, that would be the, the independent Sabre score of that lineup. So if anyone generated, if the same, if, if the Sabre score of that lineup is mm-hmm. 94%. It would always show at 94, but like if you're building bad liners for that contest, you would see your Sabre scores is 32, 30, 18, 17, and be like, wow, these are really bad. Why aren't, is it, is it a hundred? Because like, because you're not hitting any of the lineups that are anywhere related to the set of even representative plus EV lineups in there. So the fact that you're creating ownership means that you can make those grades. And then if you can make those grades, I could put in, uh, solve yeah. solve for I saber mean, score. Projecting ownership is still a far cry away from a a true true simulating a contest and figuring out what are all the possible lineups someone can make and how likely those lineups are to be played in there. I mean, one having an ownership projection model does not mean that you have the other. I mean, there's yeah, ownership but, projection but, but models the fact, all over the place. In order to c- come up with ownership projections, you need to make a. You need to make a subsample. It's not, is it going to be the most accurate subset? No, of course not. I mean, when I make representative sure. lineups bluntly and throw them in to see what like combinations of players that I want to play, whatever, I know this is extremely blunt. I'm going through mm-hmm. different projections. Go, do I think, how many people are going to be playing uh, uh tight end in the flex? How many people are going to be playing? Right. Uh, right. Like I'm estimating all of that. I know it's not going to be perfect, but the fact that you can estimate it at all means that you could at least make representative subsets of lineups that, and you're not running the contest. You're not running the pay. You're not running the payouts. You're not running anything. All mm-hmm. you're doing is saying that if the, th- you know, let's say, because in SaberSim, you could, how many lineups can you build up to? 1,500. 1,500. Okay. So let's say mm-hmm. the, let's, for argument's sake, say I'm entering a contest that is 1,500 entries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and that would like, be a rudimentary contest sim. I mean, right? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, you can make the 15 get, with the ownership projections. Make me behind the scenes or in front of me the 15. Give me fifteen hundred dollars, fifteen hundred representative sample. So basically, my portfolio of a fifteen hundred 
if if DeAndre Swift is 23%, he's at 23% of my proposal. Like, like it's actually the representative lineups based on that. It's probably not going to be exact, obviously. Yeah. And then based on that 1500, give me the Sabre scores. I mean, like, like, and show me the one, like, just like you would normally do now. So like, why can't that be done? So, I mean, uh, two things. One, I, I do actually what you kind of have described here a lot in my process using Saberson. I will build 1500, which is the maximum you can build on an extremely high sim precision setting and basically try to use how much I'm getting of those players in that 1500 as a way to approximate the optimal exposure you should have to that player. And then that ultimately becomes an input for me elsewhere. I think that's... That's great. I mean, I, I do that all the time. I mean, I think that one of the challenges is, is one, you have a technical problem the, as the size of the contest gets bigger. bigger right. I get that. Yeah. That, that is scales exponentially. And two, if you are identifying singular lineups as the best EV lineup you can play for this contest as a product, that is probably not the highest EV lineup you can play anymore because it has been identified. There needs to be some level of well, you back no, 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 no. If you're still getting to the ten year problem, right? I'm I'm trying to solve the first problem. But what you could then do, what what Jordan, what you could then do if you wanted to incorporate, mm-hmm. you back test everything. So basically, you're going to be downloading all the stuff from DraftKings, maybe not FanDuel, and then seeing how often the lineups are played in those contests, and then adjusting the EV based on like you could then see how many people are using SaberSim. In the similar fashion, yeah. and then adjust, you, you get what I'm talking about. I I do. I'm not so sure that's a 10 year problem. If that actually were to exist, I I I, I think that's a right now problem. If that exists, but I don't think. But no, I don't think so. A singular lineup identified by any DFS lineup optimizer as the best possible EV lineup you could play. Well, that that single lineup, but the next couple of lineups probably not. Yeah, like that's, and that's I, mean, what I said I in the in the very extreme examples. But remember that that top EV line, like, dude, you, I think the problem is going to solve itself because the top EV lineup in a lineup set, especially for a large field contest, is so improbable that mm-hmm. multiple sure. people will play it and 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 not cash so often that that it'll that be they like just weed themselves out, right? Well, they just weed, right? But that's why I said like. It's a it's a it's a presentation problem. Like the fact that you could that it would be presented as the best means that you're not the messaging is wrong, right? That means people are you like that's the same thing as the as the current optimizers. Like when people people there are people on that I've talked to that go uh, so I could go to Roto Grinders and click the build button and that's the best lineup I could play. <laughs> right. And I go I go. Well, that's the top median projected lineup. And it goes, said, but that's the best lineup. And I go, no. I said, said, so uh, I said, that would be the lineup that if if you didn't know anything about the sport and you're playing head deads and double ups, mm-hmm. if you were to play that lineup, you you maybe you you you're more likely to be profitable than you trying to come up with something on your own. Right. So like I'm put for and then they'll go, oh yeah, so I'm gonna play that in the million tomorrow. Like no 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 it's not the it's not the best lineup like right so positioning it at the best it, that's the messaging problem but there's still plenty of people that come to roto grinders and they barely change any of the settings 
and they go, I'm playing 20 lineups and they use unique players one and they get 20 cash lineups and they cash 12 out of 20. Mm-hmm. A lot of days or something like that. And they're like, yeah, I've been playing for, for four months. Like, they'll show me the roto tracker even. Like, these are people that are just learn like, they want right. to learn. These aren't these aren't dumb people. They just like they don't get the, all the concepts together. They're using the mm-hmm. tools wrong, and I'm I'm looking at their rotor tracker and I'm saying, "So you're playing a lot, way too high projected, high owned lineups just based on your one percent finishing grass. It's just so obvious because the bump is is just dramatically right there." And he goes, "Yeah, I just try to play the best lineups as possible from the projections because you say to trust the projections." I said. Yeah, but those are median projections. Like you're playing a contest that you get paid more the higher you go up. Like you sh- said, and it goes, yeah, but I, I, I've come. I like, and the the main question I get is that uh, I play. I played three months of basketball or something like that, and it's like I'm I'm minus four percent. Like I haven't lost that much money, but I have I've, I've never had a, a top one hundred finish, mm-hmm. which is it. Based on how they're playing, it's representative of that. Like, yeah, they're getting a lot of lineups to cash for 1.5x, and they're bleeding to the rake, and right. they're never coming. Like, and it's like, well, because you don't understand that medium, like, just building a whole high owned medium projected lineup in GPP is is negative EV, especially with the if hey, enough dumb people and there was no rake. Yeah, maybe that could actually be profitable long term. So to me, that's a me- to me that's a messaging problem, not a like if too many users are using it that way, then it's not a failure on the user; it's a failure sure. on the pro on the on the people behind the product. Sure, yeah, I think they're different examples though, because in the first case, you're talking about lineups that are that are clearly not for that contest. Right. In the example we're talking about here, we would be quantifying an objective EV of a lineup for a particular contest. What? How else could you even position that? No, that no, 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 no. I mean, that would be. No, I think that here's 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 an easy way to solve it. Easy way to solve it. Mm. Uh, variance. Now, obviously, you're simulating. You have to simulate some amount of variance. So, like the top EV lineups mm-hmm. would be so close to each other. I mean, these would be very high variance, very risky lineups. These are mm-hmm. like really. These are stuff that you may not. You may not even see these lineups. You, you probably. If you generate the top thousand plus EV lineups, it's it's most likely none of the thousand will even appear in the milli content. Like we're using the milli right. NFL as an example. Right. It's most probable that z- literally zero of the one thousand will even be played in the contest. Right. Without even sharing this information because they're so high variance, and they take they win the milli once in a simulation and then like it's it's a it's a 56 nothing game from the from the the 28 point underdogs that win mm-hmm. type of game that once you put in if we just if we just smacked let's say we just smacked 5% randomness just i mean just like like just smacked it a little like the best lineup and then and the 5000 bet would practically be the same so you would never have to position the best lineup as the best lineup you would say Based on our simulations that, you know, you know, the the range of best lineups is so like that there would be no best. Like this was 0.0001 more sure. than the other lineup, but once you smacked it with fucking one percent randomness, the first lineup and the four thousandth lineup could switch places. 
right? So once you, if you if you don't if you if you just smack it with just a little bit of variance at the end, like you'll never have the issue where this is the de facto best line best quote lineup. Yeah, and then I think you're getting so close to what we're doing now, and but all you're doing is we're just saying it's. Like, well, I'm saying crazy. to optimize for it. Like what I'm what I'm condoning for is that if you have the ability and you're positioning yourself as we build winning lineups fast, we crunch the numbers, mm-hmm. you don't have to spend all day, and we have the ability to grade a lineup, right? Based on, we have the, an EV proxy and a standard deviation proxy. Mm-hmm. Like why can't why can't I just optimize for those? Why why can't I optimize for that? Like why? Like if you if if you could build the jet, like I understand the fact of the relative portfolio stuff. Like I understand like grading your lineups based on yeah. the relative. Por- I understand the value of that, but the fact that you're that you have a score like that, why can't I compare my portfolio to the representative set of lineups that I should expect to see in my contest, and then compare the two portfolios to each other and go, okay, here's here's the ten thousand lineups approximated it's based on your ownership it's based it's yeah. a, obviously approximate and then you'd have some type of correlative value of like it's this lineup but with one different guy it's close enough that the saber score would be slightly different like and you go here's the 10,000 lineups now we're going to do the same imagine i we imported the 10,000 and just put it right into saber sim it would give me this 100% for this one 50% for that it would give me all that so you put that to a side and then someone else puts together their 150 set and goes like, well, what compare that to the 10,000 there? What are what are not what is the saber score of relative to my lineups? What is the saber score relative to these 15,000 lineups and show right. me that number? And then if you could show that number, you could optimize for that number. Yeah, no. I mean, it's an interesting idea. I like I I I get what you're saying. It seems it seems technically very intensive and it's it potentially over precise to me for right now. I mean, I think again, the, the Sabre score calculations that we're getting as relative numbers, as compared to the rest of the pool for a particular set of settings that has already been contest simulated, optimized against the contest you're building them for seems really close, which is exactly what we do. But I mean, yeah, I think what you are describing is clearly more precise, like clearly right. an, an extra an extra degree of specific, but uh, but uh, but what, what, but why why I'm I'm saying this is that because then you could take then then I could take my own projections against it like the 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 main the main thing here getting back to that trust issue uh-huh. right that trust and control I get it that'll be the, that'll be the name of the, the trust and control trust there and you control. go that's the name that's, that's the, a good the, one that's the name of the podcast that's the that name of the episode I get this is all past that like. This this exists past trust and control, but mm-hmm. you could still, if you had one or the other, would still help. You just have to message it correctly. So, for instance, if I trust your projections completely, yeah, then and I have a control problem. That really just comes down to then do exactly what I'm talking about. Give me the saber score. Let me optimize by saber score, but then let me put in my constraints and be like, like I just want the top saber score lineups in comparison to the the fee, to the field. Right, not relative to my own portfolio, 
and I want uh, I want ten percent Carl Anthony Towns, and I want to lock in Bradley Beal. Like, I, and let me have the control of my restraints of the subset of lineups that you're choosing from. And I'll have that control. But I trust your projection. I trust all the, sure. I trust the Sabre score. And then if you have the other way around of like, I don't trust your projections. I don't trust your ownership. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't mind seeding control. I don't mind, like, I don't need to even put in exposures or nothing like that. I'll just put in my projections and my ownership. And then you build a representative set. And then you tell me what the scores of the lineups are. And if I didn't want to have any type of diverse and then I have a diversification setting. So it's like, I'm not going off the reservation unless I want mm-hmm. to. It's like, dude, like you should be able to, for the first set of players, you'll still have the questions of what settings do I put in a little, but you'll at least be like, kind of like, we're always going to protect you that your portfolio is not like nutso or completely too low variance. And then for the control people, you're like, dude, I can build my lineups in like, 42 seconds, right? Because yeah. it's like, I'm just going to upload my projections, set my risk, set my... And then I could then also do different portfolio sets for different contests. Because then I could go, I'm building my 20 milli lineups. Put in the milli settings, put in the risk profile, put in everything, go, give me 20 based on my projections on this. And go, here's the, here you go. And then I go, okay, I'm playing the, the what size contest? So 20,000, give me... And unless there's some reason for me to override some individual player's diversification or something or I some mm-hmm. reason in on on this contest I in the single entry I want to have a much riskier lineup because I'm right. changing the ownership so I could have more leverage and it's just like get, uh, there's my single entry lineup dink done I mean like like for someone like that so it's like the two segments of people that you're looking to attract for Saber Sim exists even when you only have just trust or just control if you don't have either then you don't get that customer anyway. Like, like you're, right. you're, you're done. If you have both, you're obviously going to get that customer. But I think with this type of methodology yeah. and positioning, you could get both, co- you could get me as well as the people that ask me what magic settings to put in because it accomplishes both at the same exact time. For the first group of people, they, they may, I, I don't need the diversification controls. I don't need, I don't handhold me. I'm going to set in and you're, you're in the back end saying, we're going to make sure that that we got you back just in case so you're not building really bad lineups. And then for me, I'm like, don't I don't want you to stop me from building lineups at all. I just want you to stop me from building a lineup set that is just so out of control or so high variance that I don't realize that what I'm building. And it's like, it's the best of both worlds. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I mean, I think the main thing there is, is quantifying the the impact of what either the trust or control person are doing against the objective. Had you done nothing, this is what we would have given you. And right. I think that's kind of where it, it gets interesting. Um, I mean, yeah, I think it's cool. Um, the, the one thing you can do now, I mean, is is you can still use Saber score a bit in that way. And I recommend people do. I mean, you can almost test against yourself and see what you are giving up in that relative number when you make certain changes. It's just not necessarily absolute or objective. It's not compared against the entire whole. It's compared against the partial whole that from from what you're working right. from. Um, but that's that's how I teach people that watch office hours to think about diversification as it is, is actually look at this relative Sabre score number and see see what you are sacrificing in that as you 
lower your exposures as a blunt tool right. of getting more diverse and, right, and go through right. that it's process. exactly the same way that i i teach but what essentially i'm saying to you is like you have a, you jordan you have a process when you build your line mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that of course contextually based on the slate the variables may change a bit but you have a general process i'm going to do this then i'm going to do this then i'm going to mm-hmm. do this then i'm going to see look at this i'm going to compare to that and then i'm going to do this right mm-hmm. like it's some type of process like that right it could be, my process could be, I'm going to build representative sets of lineups to see what other people are doing, adjust ownership, blah, 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 build 3,000 lineups for me to choose 50 from. And like, it's it's always going to be some type of process the way it is. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is that uh, in, in the podcast that I'm listening to is like, you're solving the problem of like diversification settings and not solving the problem of, you know, you know, I do steps one to five. You do steps one to five. Why don't we just get you to five? Like, why don't we just literally eliminate like what you said of like, oh, uh, well, I, you'd run a test build. It's like, well, why don't you just run that for me and compare it for me? Yeah. Like, why don't, like the exact things that you're looking at to make your decisions, why wouldn't you just incorporate that? Like, wouldn't that be the, the, the thing to solve? Not the, what is the default settings to just, I know why you're doing the default settings to make sure right. that if no one changed anything, this will do you the least harm. It's not the best, but it's at least the least harm. And I'm thinking more in terms of if you know what the what a better the better process is, why don't you find a way to simulate that process for the user in the back end as it is and then just hand off of the control of the subset of of that result? Yeah, I think I think ultimately for me there are things that you would there are there are things that you would encounter in a set of test builds for example that are not scientifically solvable. Like what, necessarily. What, what, what the hell would that be? What would be in test builds that are what? What are we talking about? I a mean, gl- a glitch, a glitch I could, un- yeah, you accidentally have a ceiling projection of 170 on a football player and he's coming up. I, think like, we're, yeah, I get we're it. Getting back, input error. We're getting back to the perfect model kind of thing again. I mean, the example you gave earlier, right? The Hendershot versus Ferguson situation, mm-hmm. right? Unless you had a perfect sim that understood that that was somewhat binary and highly variant. Mm-hmm. That is a good example of like you applied some level there that would not even probably was not even implied in our game sims of that game right we probably assumed that both players were somewhat normally distributed around their mean outcome you identified that that was more of a binary distribution between those two players and yeah but that's a projection accuracy that comes down to the trust issue i'm already saying that i'm I'm uploading my own goddamn projection so i don't give a fuck about that right i'm making the decision like i don't mind you doing that process of like one to five for me, it would be, I could do it myself, but for the users that don't want to, that are coming from the other end of the spectrum, mm-hmm. wouldn't that be so much more useful to them? It won't be as useful to me. For me, I could just go and go, sure. I, I, like, you understand, you understand what I'm saying? It's like, like, I may not need that, but shouldn't that be what you're solving? So you're not answering, getting back to the very beginning you're not answering magic settings questions. You're right. saying the settings are there as after, like, and you're like, I don't like what I'm seeing because of X opinion or XY bias. 
And then I'm going to change these so I get more or less of them rather than try to figure out these defaults that like it shouldn't, you shouldn't be leading with the settings and then showing lineups. You should be leading with the lineups and then going, uh, do you not like this? Well, you, you have the option back here to kind of like, like change. Well, some and, of the then, settings. and, and admit it. I mean, that is a, that is a positioning issue on our end. And if that's how we've come across. And I mean, the other thing too, I think, so we released one behind the Sims episode here, which was a discussion of that kind of marketing team. And I think behind the Sims working as like a, here's what's going on on the model side as we're building out models functions a little bit better than on a positioning content side of things, because hearing people talk through how to create content sounds like content. And like, there are things that we talked about in that video that aren't necessarily, we had other people watch that and leave comments on YouTube and be like, okay, so I do this. And it's like, well, no, th this was supposed to be you getting to see how we make the content, not the content. And I think we've run into a little bit of an issue with that particular episode, because it is definitely not our goal to give the impression that it's like, set your magic settings and then, and then you win the, the goal. But, but like, that's how it comes, but I, let me tell you, that's, that's how it comes across. Yeah, and that's and that's good. That's good for me to know. I mean, the goal, the test build, like going back to the test build here, would be for the control player to identify what they need to control. It's basically let us save you a bit of time by knowing so you can see what we're already doing for you, and then you know my control only has to be this much because you already did this for me. You're doing this already, right? I, I don't think it's positioned well. I I I think it, it, the settings are positioned way higher than the well. We'll take your hand off the wheel. We got you. Type, mm -hmm. of, type of thing. And if you want to upload your own shit, we got you there also. Like, I feel like that's, that we're we're always looking in your best interest and we're, we're always calculating EV proxy for you and de-risking your, or increasing the risk of your portfolio. Like to me, to me, that, the positioning of like, like the, of the Clippy guy in, in Microsoft, like I'm here type mm -hmm. of thing. Like we're helping you in the back while other optimizers are just like, here's the tool, good luck. Good yeah, luck right. figuring out what, like, good luck could, like, unless you care that so much about mean projection, like, that's that's what this does. So you better better know how to use it because there's no instruction manual type of thing. Like, and then people right. go, like, what are the magic settings? Like, I think that your content makes it even more about the magics. Like, I just, like, I listen to Office Hours. Like, Jordan, you have to admit that, like, more than half of every episode is magic settings. I don't know if I would agree. I don't know if I would go that far. I mean, again, you're the one watching it, but I'm the one there. I mean, I, I, I get no because only I only say that because I do a show similarly, and I know the people. Yeah, like, I'm very good at reading people, and it's like what they're asking for. Your, I'm not saying your explanations are bad. Your explanations are perfectly fine. I, I agree. I agree with like 99% of what you say. And I know yeah. that you're well-intentioned and you're trying to give an answer that is actionable rather than the correct answer, which is that's a very stupid fucking question. And you've got to learn <laughs> right. the concept of my response to that, that it, the person is asking for magic settings and yes. you're giving them an answer that makes them think that there are magic settings and they will do those magic settings until they see that it doesn't work, right? And then come back and go, well, I did this for that. And then all you're saying to them is, well, on that slate, you wouldn't have done it that way. And then they go, 
Well, then what do I do on this slate? What are the magic settings for this slate? And they get into this cycle. I, I get, I get 50 emails a week. Okay. So mm-hmm. like I replied to tons of, and I answer, I mean, I reply to everyone pretty much. Uh, mm-hmm. That's, I know these people. I know, I know that's what you want there to be magic settings. I know. I wish there were magic settings too. I'm on the same boat. I wish I could just plug in numbers and just make money. Right. I'd like, yeah. but it doesn't exist. So it's like the more I, I, that's, why do you think I, why do you think I get so adamant about, about like, stop focusing on the settings so you could focus on the lineups and then use the settings to like eliminate stuff. It's like, like, oh, well, you don't want to, okay, well, all these lineups are about equal. So why not just eliminate, close your eyes. You don't want to play that guy. Okay. Like then at least I'm, I'm highlighting the fact that there are no magic settings. And the more that it, I'm, I'm. Trust me, I get what you're, 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 yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I know what you're, I know talking, what you're talking about. about. And I think it's, I also think there's a little bit of like a different, like, I think there's an argument to say someone comes in and says, what are the magic settings? You rip the bandaid off. You tell them there are no magic settings. You, you don't worry about that. Worry about this, do that. And I think that's, that's one approach. I think there's also a, uh, you with, could be nicer with, about it. There's a different way. <laughs> I think with Saber Sim in particular, too, sometimes these questions are so low risk that I found the easier way for that person to get the point is mm-hmm. to just give them this, like, let, tell them, like, whatever they're looking for on that particular slate and let them understand over time in our community why they don't need to do that. Right. And, and in some of the more evergreen long form content, why, like how to actually start thinking about correlation and diversification and ownership and, and those things for themselves. Because the other thing is, you know, we do office hours for an hour every day and often answer 15 to 20 questions. I mean, you have to pick how much can you accomplish in a five minute answer when somebody's asking you about the magic settings. Right. No, and I this is on the content side. I mean, it's, it's, it's challenging. I think it's tough. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know. Right? No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that it's. Oh, that's easy. You just do this. Like, no. Yeah. I have a tough time answering questions. Also, I mean, but uh, the, the at least the, the the I think the question that the question and answers that we could both agree with mm-hmm. that that you shouldn't be answering on your show. What are the locks? Yeah, <laughs> that's that's my favorite. I've been I've been making sure to just give one stone cold lock at the end of every show recently, just to appease everybody that's been sitting around for the whole hour waiting for it. So right. I, I do, I do that shit sarcastically when I'm yeah. on grinders live and people want me for a home run call. So I said, I'm going to go into my crystal. I'll show my crystal ball on my screen. I just load up the fucking bat projections, <laughs> whatever has the highest home run column thing. And there you go. Aaron judge. And they go, that ain't a bold call. It's like, cause I don't predict, I don't, what, what the fuck are you asking me? I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> don't look yeah. at me. <laughs> I like I like the optimal captain for showdown. I think that's a fun one because oh, you yeah. can pick anybody. You can I mean uh, that one, and right. there he is, and send him on their way. Yeah. <sighs> okay, so uh, at Jordan M Chand on Twitter. Uh, yep. DFS office hours on the Saber Sim uh, YouTube channel. Uh, yeah. If uh, in, in talking to Matt, I think Matt's been working on possibly something that is related to what I've been mentioning, and if that comes to fruition. Uh, maybe uh, I, I've added another tool in my arsenal, right? Yeah. I have no problem I, admitting and going, if there's a tool that's good that I could use, then I'm going to use it. I'm not saying I'm going to use your projections or ownership, but if the tool could do something that I could start in lineup HQ to build lineups, put it into my Excel and 
sort out stuff from there and then throw it lastly into Saberson for de-risking. Like, like I have no problem paying you guys. You know, I pay for everything else around the industry, so there's no problem. Yeah, and we we are talking about these things on our end as well. So I, I'm looking forward to it. We'll, we'll see. I think um, I, I often have the habit of, of opening my mouth uh, a little bit too much when it gets to this point. So uh, we'll see what what's coming down the, the pipeline. Is all I'll we'll, say. We'll see. We'll see. I'll, I'll have to. I'll have to. I'll yeah, see what, exactly. What build some intrigue, build some excitement. Right. And of course, I'll see and I'll probably rip it to shreds for some. Yeah, well, I'll come back on and we can do another one of these. And, and, and I have no problem. There. No, because at least you're trying to solve. At least you're trying to like, I, I enjoy listening because these are the problems and these are the things that I think about on a regular basis. And I think about mm-hmm. it without having the programming experience to even attempt to solve them. I'm like going, I hope someone sees the things the same way that I see. So you could, so they could build a tool that I could use properly. Yeah, right. Okay, so sabersim.com. Yeah, might as well, you know, to make sure so that there's a marketing message here. Use the promo code, nothing, or I don't know. There's no promo code. <laughs> no. I, I don't, I don't do no, people ask me trial. if I have an affiliate link or something, like for Roto Trackers. Like, I don't do any, I don't get paid commission on anything. Buy my course. If you want to support me, then buy the course, Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports, the advanced course with the Excel tools. You can find that at theoryofdfs.com.